Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Howdy doody, boys and girls. You should know where you are, but just in case you don't, this is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And well, this week, we're going to talk about why you don't need cash buyers. And now some of you, that title might be puzzling. Maybe you don't do any wholesaling or you really haven't looked into it, or maybe you're brand new to real estate investing. So I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory to kind of put it into context so you understand what I'm talking about. Now, in the wholesaling world, in the arena, there are a lot of misconceptions, a lot of information going out there. Everybody's an expert, of course, like anything else, right? It's just like Facebook and, and medical science and politics and everything else. Everybody's an expert. Well, a couple of years back when wholesaling started getting popular, probably in the early or towards the late 2000s after the crash and all that, wholesaling got really, really, really popular. And a lot of people, you know, they do one deal or they even think about doing a deal. Suddenly they're an expert. Next thing you know, they're teaching it and charging hundred grand to teach you how to flip a $50,000 house. So that brings a lot of myths, a lot of bad information. When you're being taught by people that haven't really had a lot of experience themselves and haven't really done a lot of deals, well, you're going to get misled. You're going to get some information that maybe sounds good in theory, but in reality, it doesn't really make much sense. And what I'm going to tell you today, especially if you currently are a wholesaler, might just blow your mind. You might go away cranky and angry. You might just think, no, I can't. No, say it's not so. It's not possible. I have to have cash buyers because so-and-so said I have to have cash buyers. And I'm here to tell you, if you're going to wholesale real estate, you you do not need to have cash buyers. Oh my God, I can't believe he just said that. He said, you don't need cash buyers. That's got to be a lie. It's not possible. Of course you need cash buyers. Everybody says you need cash buyers. That's how you do it. Well, guys, last week I also told you that you don't need to be out there trying to schlep a house to a buyer. You should be out there finding houses for buyers. If you're going to be wholesaling property, you got to be adding value. If you're not adding value, you're like every other everybody else out in the street doing the same thing. When you got a bunch of knuckleheads in the street doing the same thing doesn't make any sense. What do we call that? We call that Portland. Yes, we do. You don't need, the misconception is, is that to be able to successfully wholesale a transaction or to sell a, a property that's going to be flipped or whatever, you got to have a cash buyer. Now, there's several reasons why I, I can, I'm, I'm rationalizing here. I'm trying to put a little bit of rational to an irrational statement. So bear with me. But these are the excuses that I've heard over the years. And first of all, as I go into these, I want you to truly embrace the fact that you don't need a cash buyer. And I'm going to explain to you why you don't need a cash buyer. I'm going to teach you in this short podcast episode, how to do a deal without needing a cash buyer. Okay. So this is a full course, all in one podcast. Try to get done in less than 15 minutes. Ready? Here we go. Reason number one that wholesalers think that they have to have a cash buyer is because the banks generally frown on the practice of wholesaling. Why is that? Well, because for them, it's outside of their perfect little box. Okay, and if it's outside of their perfect little box, if it doesn't fit on the spreadsheet, then they question it. A bank's job is to look at risk and to analyze risk and to make decisions based on their ability to mitigate or reduce risk. And when they see something out of the ordinary, like Jimmy Tulips up there on the, the closing statement with this mysterious $5,000, where's that going? And he's not a realtor. It's not going to a real estate broker to the underwriter. That looks a little risky. So then they start questioning it. And then you get nervous because you already are nervous because you're wholesaling anyway, and you think you're going to be wanted by the real estate police, right? Like they're rappelling out of the side of the building with clipboards and calculators coming after you for wholesaling a house. You get nervous and you don't know how to properly explain the situation. Well, here's how you do this right out of the gate. Stop putting your wholesale fee on the closing disclosure. It doesn't matter. It's not really party to the transaction. The transaction is between the buyer and the seller, not you, because you're not doing either. What you're doing is you're assigning your rights to the transaction. Now, I know some of you are probably going to leave a comment going, yeah, but in Seattle, it's done this way or in Canada that you can't do it that way. That's a bunch of crap because this is basic stuff. Okay. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Trust me. I'm not a rocket scientist and I figured it out. 
There's your proof. So when people see things on the closing disclosure that they don't understand, fear kicks in. And what and I have told you before, what happens when people fear something? If people don't understand something, that translates to fear. And when they are in fear, they automatically go into no, or this has to go away. This, this can't be done. I've had title companies tell me that they cannot process an assignment of contract. And I look at them like, what do you mean? What does an assignment of contract have to do with you closing this transaction? Do we have a buyer? Yes. Do we have a seller? Yes. Okay. That's all you need to worry about. The assignment part is not, does not matter unless of course you're practicing law. And if you're practicing law, I'm going to kind of need to see your, your attorney's license because title companies sometimes will walk a fine line of playing attorney. Now understand why that is though. I'm not condoning that action, but understand why they think this way, because they have to issue what they call title insurance, or at least they try to issue title insurance. The profit, the big chunk of profit that comes from a real estate closing comes from the title insurance in the state of Florida. The amount, the title insurance cost is actually regulated by the state. And it is so high that one of my buddies owned a title company out in Missouri, closed that some bitch down and moved to Florida because the state mandated title insurance fees were so high, allowed for so much profit that he literally closed his doors in, 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 uh, in Missouri and moved to Florida and opened title companies across Florida because there was so much profit that is mandated by this government. Go figure, right? Uh, anyway, so Let's go back to the banks don't understand it. So if the banks don't understand it, let's not give them stuff they don't understand, okay? Let's not try to tempt fate. And I know you can say, but Tyler, but Tyler, but Tyler, but Tyler. I don't want to hear but Tyler. What I'm trying to do is to tell you to keep these transactions as ridiculously stupid simple as possible. And the reason for that is people will always fear what they don't understand. So remove things that people wouldn't understand from the equation. And if you remove the things that people don't understand from the equation... You're going to have a lot less grief. And I know that there are some things you cannot move from the equation. In that case, that's where your rapport with your seller, with your title company, with your buyer comes into play. Because I'll tell you this, I've never not had a wholesale transaction close for any of these reasons. Frankly, I've never had one not close, period. Why is that? Well, because I talk to the sellers. I give the sellers lots of options. They understand what the options are and they choose the option that we're executing. Okay, They chose a wholesale deal instead of me listing the property in the MLS. The buyer chose to deal with me and they understand when they dealt with me, there is a fee, but I am the, what they're going to wind up paying for the property after factoring in my fee is a considerably better price than that, which they could have done themselves. Therefore, I've added them value because if it wasn't for me, they never would have got the deal in the first place. So for them, they're looking at the all said and done bottom line number. Think when you're flipping houses, you have to factor in everything. You got to factor in the closing costs. You got to factor in the repairs. You got to build in some slush money. You got to build in your, your end profit. You got to think about all the stuff before you pull the trigger and make an offer on a house that you're going to flip. This is the same thing with wholesaling, guys. You got to understand where your profits are, where your expenses are, so you can make good, solid decisions. Keeping in mind, once we've removed the things that people don't understand, we have a good conversation with them. The next knee-jerk thing you're going to get is, especially if you've got a savvy buyer, on a lot of wholesale transactions in a lot of states, what the title companies will do is they either will not issue title insurance at all, which will automatically kill a deal where there's a mortgage involved. If there's a mortgage involved, or there's a bank coming in to finance the property. The bank is going to insist on having what they call a lender's title policy. That is an insurance policy that protects the lender in the event there was a something that was recorded or a cloud against the title or some sort of title defect that existed on the day of closing or prior. It doesn't protect the future. A lot of people think that title insurance protects them from the closing on, and that's absolutely not true. Title com or title insurance is to protect you from the day of closing backwards. It's only to protect the past. It is not to protect the future. So when a title company issues title insurance, they will sometimes put exceptions in there, which means we'll cover this, this transaction in the past, except for 
these things. And a lot of times when a property has been wholesaled, the chain of title, in other words, who it went from, is unclear. And what happens when, when this is more common, not so much in assignment transactions, but in when you do what they call double closings or dry closings, when it, it, you basically close the deal with the buyer's money, your name is on the contract, that type of thing. I won't go into the weeds with what a, a, a double closing is, but I usually caution people to avoid double closings if you can, because it does, it can potentially create a host of issues for future buyers. In the in, and that comes to from their inability to receive title insurance, or if they get titles, title insurance, title insurance company will make an exception on the policy down the road that can hurt somebody when they're trying to buy a property with a loan, even after your transaction. I mean, I've seen it pop up from a transaction that was double closed five years ago, and this is a whole different transaction with a whole different set of buyers and sellers. And the title, the title insurance company came back and said, no, no, we're not going to insure that transaction because it's too cloudy. It doesn't make sense to us. So we're going to accept that. Now the buyer, if they've got a savvy realtor or themselves are savvy, they're going to look at that situation and go, do I want to risk it? I could buy this property. I don't have coverage for this event that happened four years ago. And if things go haywire, I might lose this house. And that's absolutely accurate. That can absolutely happen. Now, does it happen? Yes, it does. Is it very often? No, it's not. But it's still something you need to be aware of. All of you, by the way, not to go off too far off topic, but all of you, when you're buying a property, one of the things you need to put on your list is you absolutely must insist on reading, getting, a, obtaining a copy of the title commitment. Okay. Should be like a three, four page document that shows everything that they're willing to cover and what they're not willing to cover on the title insurance policy. Okay. So you want to make sure you are familiar with anything that they happen to be saying, well, we're not going to cover that. That's called an exception. Okay. That means we're going to cover everything except this. You need to know what that this is. Boy, that sounded funny, didn't it? What that this is. You need to be crystal clear on what that is. And you need to be okay with it. And if you're not okay with it, get a real estate attorney involved. If you're dealing with a title company that has a clue, they should explain this to you in plain English. If they don't, get rid of them and hire a, de a decent title company. Now, if you're in Florida, especially in the Tampa Bay market, I do all my closings at insured title agencies. This isn't a commercial for them. I just know that Lisa and Kevin and the staff over there are fantastic. Their, their staff attorney is Sean Yesner, a friend of mine and, and my real estate attorney. So I know that they can explain things when things come up. Simple so that everybody gets it. Reason number three, a lot of the wholesale gurus, they don't really have any problem-solving skills. They've learned a little bit of information. They, they regurgitate it into a course. They sell it, and that's that. So it's simpler for them to say, you can't do this, kind of like the whole mindset of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Just say, oh, you can't do that. Most new people be like, okay, you know, a whole guru said I can't do it, so I can't do it. Everybody falls into the same line of thinking like a bunch of sheep. They, When a guru says absolutely don't do something, You'd want to follow them, but you kind of want to understand why that is, because I think you're going to learn more from the mistakes of someone than you ever will from the things they've done right. Okay. If I sat there and told you everything I've done right, that's all fine and dandy, but that's not going to get you any closer to the ball because along the way, you're going to try something different and you're going to get bitch slapped. So by listening to what I screwed up, that's when you're going to learn. Let me tell you, I've had a lot more screw ups than I do successes. Fact. That's just how it is. So understand this. A wholesaler can be paid on the deal where the buyer is using a traditional bank loan. That may seem foreign to you. Is what did I just say a few minutes ago? The banks get freaky. Here's how you go around that. Here's how you solve that. You create a note and a mortgage, okay? You can have the title company do this for you. If you have a real estate attorney, you can have a real estate attorney do it for you. If you are even remotely savvy with paperwork, you can Google it and issue and write, create a note and a mortgage, okay? A note and a mortgage where the, the buyer is going to give you a note and a mortgage. So they're going to, it's basically a promise to pay. That way, you're going to hold that until the day after closing. Now, obviously, you have to have some pre-established trust with the buyer. If you're one of those people that's only dealing with every anybody can fog a mirror, different story. 
But when I deal with buyers, I know the buyers. I've built rapport with them. They trust me. I trust them. They're not going to stiff me. So I don't have to go through all these hoops to see if I'm going to get screwed or not because I don't deal with people that are shady. I just don't. That's why I don't go to real estate meetings because that's where a lot of the shady folks hang out. I just avoid them like the plague. I deal with good people that I can look at face-to-face or look at on a Zoom session or get on a call with them, understand about them. I've gone seen some of their deals happen. I know people have done business with them. We have the know, like, and trust, okay? So that makes it easier to deal with them. So what we'll do is like say, hey, Jimmy, my tran- my fee is uh, 20 grand on this. So you're going to get this. I want to make sure we, we, we're clear on this. You're getting this $265,000 house for $150,000. You're going to pay me $20,000 assignment fee. How we're going to get that done is you're going to write me a $5,000 check now. I'm going to cash that check as a deposit, and you're going to pay the additional $15,000 within 12 months of closing or within a week of closing or however that shakes out. Understand, guys, that anything is negotiable. So it, one of the things I did that really helped me out in the front end is instead of taking wanting that lump sum cash all the time, which a lot of you think that you're getting rich because you got that, you know, that fistful of Benjamins. Well, what happens to the fistful of, fistful of Benjamins? I'll tell you what happens. You run out buying new Jordans and a Traeger grill and all these toys and all this crap, and then you're broke in a week. Don't even have money for your band of science or your marketing. So what if you took your payment structured over time? How many more deals, how many more buyers would you have if you said to your buyers, hey, here's the thing, I'm going to work for you and you don't have to pay at the time of transaction. You can just pay 25% of my fee. I'll take payments on the rest. Or... I'll, I'll defer my payment for six months. You can structure this any way you want. Get some of it now, some of it later. What's that going to do? Well, number one, it's going to entitle you to more money. The reason why I can get 20, 25, 30, 40, $50,000 out of anybody balking at it, I'm saying, hey man, I'm going to go out and get you a kick-ass deal. And when I get see, say kick-ass deal, I'm going to make sure that you make a hundred large on this. If I can get you a deal that makes a hundred thousand dollars cash profit after it's all said and done, what is what are you willing to pay me for that? And the numbers are all over the place. But the one thing I will tell you is the numbers are always higher than what I want. Usually people say, I'll split it with you. 50,000, 50,000. Sweet. I was only going to ask 25, but who cares? I'll take you 50 grand. So now I'm going to make it easy. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to pay me 50 grand when you buy the house. Give me 10 grand when you buy the house. That'll cover, recoup my marketing costs and whatnot. And then I'll take the difference when you sell the house. Let's say you're going to flip this thing in six months or 12 months, whatever. I'll take the difference then. Or give me $300 a month till paid. Make it easy for them. How do I tell you to get top dollar when you sell a house? You make it easy to buy. How do you get top dollar as a whole wholesale fee? You make it easy to pay. It's that simple. Okay? The easier you make something to happen, the more likely it is to happen. If you put a big pile of sand in the middle of the road and ask me to drive through it, I'm going to have a hard time because there's sand in the road. But if you make a big, wide highway and you take all the barricades down, you don't put any stoplights in, there's no sand, no dirt, it's a beautiful day, the sun is shining, and I can just drive down the road. Well, of course I'm going to drive down the road. It's not hard. Okay. It's very simple. So think about making things easier. I understand that a lot of folks, I just talked to a guy the other day who doesn't like the idea of being a wholesaler because he thinks he's, he feels like he's kind of a bottom feeder. And there's a lot of people who think that way. What scares me is the people that don't think that way. But understand this. If you spend time building rapport with the seller and you truly understand their problem and you can find a buyer that will take that property off their hands. You can provide the service that you provide to a seller at no cost whatsoever. The buyer is paying your fee. So really your customer, the person that you owe loyalty to is the buyer because it's your responsibility to get them a good deal so they can turn it around and be profitable, which helps employ the contractors in the area. Otherwise, there's no hammers to swing. People are standing on the unemployment line, okay? You can get more people back to work. You can help fix up a crappy neighborhood or a crappy house in our neighborhood. You can fix urban blight. You can help people by putting more profit in their pockets, you can help the seller out of a jam, out of a bad situation because, you know, a guy having a bunch of equity in his house isn't necessarily working in his favor. Sometimes it's worthwhile to let go of the equity to stop the, the problem. 
Maybe he's got a mortgage he can't afford. Maybe it's just too much going on and it's costed him too much. Bottom line is it's your job to help both buyers and sellers in the marketplace. That's what you do. You're a facilitator. You're a problem solver. So get out there, roll up your sleeves, talk to sellers, get to know them, understand that there are solutions to every problem. Tell the buyers what you bring to the table. Explain to them that your job is to get amazing deals, but you can't do that until you absolutely know what an amazing deal is. Because I'll tell you, if you ask five people what a good deal is for them, you're going to get five different answers. Heck, sometimes you'll get six or seven different answers because they're that misguided. A lot of buyers don't know what their idea of a good, a good deal is. And generally, if somebody doesn't really know what a good deal is, they're going to scrutinize every bit of anything you put in front of them. So I generally will avoid people that don't have a clear understanding to them what a good deal is. If they're wishy-washy, if they're all over the place, I'm done. I'm not going to sit there and talk to them. But guys, you can simply take your wholesale fee to summarize this, to wrap it up. You can take your wholesale fee after the closing. You take it the day after closing. You can record a lien against the property until it's paid. A good buyer, that's just good business, right? That's the way I do it. Hey, tell you what, we don't have to worry about settling up with me on the day of closing. If our fee is five grand, give me a thousand. Now I will go ahead and process the assignment. We'll make the contract in the buyer's name and the seller's name. You guys have an agreement. You record a lien against the house the day after closing. Yes, it's in second position. I get that. But it's better than nothing. And if you're dealing with the people that you've built rapport with anyway, that's not going to be a big problem. So you draft an agreement, a note to mortgage. You record it against the property. You have an assignment agreement or whatever you're going to, your fee agreement in place signed by the buyer. The deal is between you and the buyer. You introduce the seller and the buyer together, help solve any problems during the transaction and make sure it gets closed and you add value. That's how you turn a $2,500 wholesale fee into a $25,000 wholesale fee because you make it easy to work with. You solve problems. You've talked to sellers, explain to both sides that it is your job to help them put this transaction together. Okay. A solid buyer who is qualified, and I mean qualified, that you've taken the time to qualify them. They have the money to close. They have the ability to close, whether they're going to get a mortgage or whatever, that they're qualified. They should have no problem paying your fee. If you are truly bringing value to the equation, nobody's going to make any any big deal about your fee. If they do make a big deal about your fee, either they're not a qualified buyer or you're not bringing enough value to the transaction. And that's the question you have to ask yourself, guys and girls. Are you bringing a significant amount of value to the transaction? Because maybe you're not worth that $25,000 for turning over an address, not doing any work. Guys, this is the beauty for finding houses for buyers and not the other way around. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.